Good morning. It is so good to be here. It's been a few years, um, but it is always good to come and to see you all and to share. And I want to say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Because when you talk about 20 years of walking with someone, supporting in prayer or finances, that's a long, that's a long time. So we appreciate you. We thank you and we love you very, very much. I must say, you guys are rock stars at making people feel welcome in this place. Really, let's give you a round of applause. Excellent. I mean, we were like, wow, we just feel like queens when we <laughs> come in. This, um, our sister, well, she said they called her Smiley when she was younger. And she was certainly smiling when we came to the door, opened the door for us with this beautiful smile. So thank you so much for making us feel um, at home and loved and welcome. And I love this here. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And as we were worshiping, I really just saw this place lit up just with the light and the love of God lit up. And each of you took that light to your homes, to your jobs, and became that in, in, in your work, in your home, that light so you make that difference. And I just am um, excited about what God is doing in this place. Um, just to give you a quick, for those that don't know who I am, I am Sherilyn Colbus Perez. I am from Erie, um, Pennsylvania, born and raised. Went to Penn State, graduated, thinking I was going to go on to make documentaries because I love cultures. I love to learn and share stories, but God had a completely different plan for my life. I went on a mission trip to Mexico, and when I went on that trip, I said, you know what, I think God might be calling me to the mission field. So I went to the Dominican Republic for a week, and when I left, they said, you're going to be back. You'll be back. And sure enough, within a year, I returned, and that was this month. It's going to be 22 years, I believe that I have been there. Um, and I believe that, that when Pastor John prayed for me at that CI meeting in the church, yep, you all were there 22 years ago when they were praying to send me out um, to the Dominican Republic. There I met my husband, and we have three beautiful children. My son just graduated from high school, and he will be staying, living in Erie, Pennsylvania, going to school, and... Um, I say doing ministry because he is a drummer. And let me just say, this is, are these, what are these? These are, uh, yeah, that we were, because both of our kids are musicians. We're like, what is this? It's wonderful. That is wonderful. Um, and my brother was going all in. Where's the drummer at? You were doing great, great. Um, so he will be living in Erie. And so just pray for him and pray for his mom and his dad as well. And we have two younger children, a 10-year-old and a 4-year-old. They're all spaced out like that. But um, when I started, I was working with another ministry. And a few, I would say about almost 12 years ago, there's just a transition. And my husband and I took over the ministry. And God has just been moving and and doing all kinds of wonderful things in our lives. Were there times that we wanted to throw in the towel? Absolutely. And say, let's go be normal people and live in the United States and 
but that wasn't God's plan and purpose for our lives. And so there we are serving um, with Dominicans and with Haitians. We continue to have a relationship with the Haitian church in the city of Santiago. And some of you all probably have been to the city of Santiago. And in Baitoa, we also um, started a work with the Haitians that are living in Baitoa. And that church, we are currently sharing our church building. And that has grown tremendously. I believe that we are called to be um, to build bridges. There's just a lot of division, a lot of um, cultural differences, and God has just put us there to kind of bridge those differences between Dominicans and Haitians, and it's been very, very good and, and wonderful to see what he is doing in Santiago and in Baitoa and what he will continue to do through the other, in the other areas where we are located. So, we are going to show a video, correct? This is our school. Um, the last time I was here, I believe we were, like, fighting to get our accreditation, correct? And we have since received that. In the middle of the pandemic, we, we received our accreditation, so we are able to have classes up until sixth grade. And so this year, our first year back after COVID and everything, and... Our sixth graders, it almost makes me a little emotional to have, we had to say goodbye to them. And it was, it was very hard, very hard, um, because I think just probably the transition of coming out of the, the, the pandemic, the last two groups, you know, we were online when we had to say goodbye to them, and the kids just weren't ready. They weren't ready. And that's an age where we still feel like we want to impact them. We, need, we still want to pour in. You know, 11, 12-year-old, they're still very impressionable. And so our goal is to reach um, high school level. We would love to be able to have these kids with us from the time they're two until they graduate. And those are some of our, you know, our future plans. But this is a little balloon release um, ceremony that we did with them. Some of you may have seen it, but whenever you're ready, we can show that. So that is um, 
our area. Our, we have a lot of space, thank the Lord, to be able to grow. And our sixth grade class along with the whole school. So we just circled them, prayed for them. Something that we do and that the children are used to and so are the parents. Um, most of our students do not come from Christian homes. But probably as you see here, in the United States, a lot of people like to send their children to Christian schools because you're going to educate them with different morals and values that they might not be receiving at home. So uh, in the morning, every morning when we do our pledge, we have worship. And it's really, um, it just sets the tone for the whole day. It really does. It sets the tone. We have our big speaker out there, so when the kids are getting dropped off, if they're coming in late, the parents can hear the worship. The kids learn the songs, and it's really beautiful. And as I said, it sets the tone for the day. And teachers have expressed to me um, how much they love coming to work because one teacher told me, once I get here, I can have all kinds of things going on in my life, but once I get here, it kind of all goes away. And I believe it's because we set the tone every morning with worship and prayer. And so when we say it's a place of hope, I also call it a a place of peace and a place of joy. I love going. I love going. When people come to visit, they say, wow, these kids seem so happy to be here. And they are because it really is just a peaceful place. Um, And as you can see, we're surrounded. It's gorgeous. You know, it is gorgeous. God really just blessed us with an area that we are at peace. You look out and anywhere you look, there's beauty. And surrounded by a great team of teachers and staff. Now, all of our teachers are not Christians. um, But they respect what we teach, they submit to what we teach, and I know that they are being touched and transformed. When we recently had our graduation, we had the kindergarten kindergartners and the sixth graders together in the graduation, and my husband was there, and he said, well, your teachers work really hard for the little bit of money that they get paid, and I said, they do because they believe in the vision. They really believe in the vision. I believe when you can inspire the vision and they can see what you're doing and how lives are being changed and how kids are being cared for, it doesn't matter. It does matter. Don't get me wrong. Pay matters. But they can do it with joy and not say, wow, I'm still here. It's 10 o'clock. I need to go home. But they do it with joy because they understand the vision. So some of our challenges, what are our challenges? and how you can pray and help. Obviously, finances are always, always um, an issue. And that's probably in any ministry. Um, It's always a struggle for us to get sponsors. This year, last year we had about 80 kids. I believe this year we'll probably have 100. We had to close two classrooms last year because of COVID. The younger kids, it's a little hard to control two and three-year-olds. You know, they can't wear masks. You can't do that. So... Um, this year, we're opening those classrooms back up. So we expect about a ha- to have a, a hundred, and our goal is to have every child sponsored that comes to the school that wants to be part of what we are doing, what we are, te- and what we're teaching. Our teachers, compared to those in the public school, they probably make about two hundred and sixty dollars a month. In the public school, they make about eight hundred. 
So when they get the opportunity to go to the public school, I don't get upset because I understand you have to provide for your family. You want to make a way for your children and you want to do things. So I can't get upset. We are not at a place where we can compete with the the public school, but um, we believe God and we believe that we might not be able to get to the level of 800 a month. That's but we will be able to increase as time goes on to be able to pay a little bit more than, than what we are paying now. So our needs, as I said, support, sponsorship. Um, and this is a, a different kind of petition, but if anybody knows, my good friend is with me, my friend Angie. We've been friends since we 13, 12 years old. And she is also a director of a school in Erie, Pennsylvania, but she's also the owner of a thrift store. Her thrift store, uh, all volunteers, and they sponsor three missions. Ours is one of those, and they have one in Africa and one in Cuba, correct? Um, So we are looking to begin to do something to help the Haitian women in, in the Dominican Republic, kind of train them up and teach them a trade so that they can also... Um, help out and save money to become legal. That's a whole other um, process there. But we are looking for a way to ship things down to the Dominican Republic. We have not been able to find a reasonable um, shipping company. And I say shipping because it's much more economical than trying to fly packages down, sending FedEx and things like that. So if anybody knows of anything, you can let us know a way to ship, and probably from a major city would be um, cheapest. Coming from Erie, that would probably be very expensive, but Pittsburgh um, and probably other major cities surrounding our area. So just keep that in the back of your mind. If you ever hear of anything or know of anything, just please let us know. And also school supplies. I plan on taking at least two suitcases down. So if anybody wants to help with that, I would just direct you to Pastor Johnny and he can give you any information that you may need. So that is going to lead into what I want to share with you today, um, just about how we look for ways, always looking for ways to impact our community. And we have been living in uncommon times, and God gives us uncommon strategies, I believe, for the, the times that we are living in. So we have recently recently been out just just out in the street. If it's, we show up at a park, let's paint faces, let's have fun with the kids. Or we'll go to the hospital, go in, pray and worship. I know that's not, you don't have that privilege sometimes here. You got to get all kind of permissions. And I don't even know if they would let you do that. But we can just show up, pray, worship, pray for people if they have needs. We can go to the mayor's office and they love, they love it. They love it. So just how do we continue to impact our community, where we're at. So I have a challenge for you today. And I know the young people know all about challenges because there's always a challenge, a TikTok challenge or some kind of challenge, right? So I want you to just listen, hear, receive it, whatever God is speaking to you and be challenged with the word that I'm going to bring forth this morning. And so we're going to look at our first scripture in First John Chapter 2, there it is, verses 3 and through 6. And I apologize. 
I have lots of scriptures. Um, and we were discussing on our way down. She's like, I don't like when I get a lot of scriptures, my friend. <laughs> I was like, I like a lot of scriptures. I know I don't like, but I like to reference a lot of scriptures. I personally, everybody has a preference, so I apologize. I'm not trying to give a Bible study. I will not be that long, I promise. Okay, so the word says, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Must live as Jesus did. So I have this revelation because before the pandemic, I think I'm speaking for myself, maybe was more focused on doing activities and how can we grow this and how can we grow that. But then after, and I believe everybody had time to just reflect upon, um, you know, where you're at and those of us that have ministries, where is our ministry at and what are we doing and where are we going? And I thought, you know, why don't we just do what Jesus did? Let's just do what Jesus did. Sometimes we try to do big programs and big things, and we lose sight of just the basics of what Jesus did. The word in Ephesians 5, 1, 2 says, Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us as an offering and sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Be imitators. And I didn't write this one down, but it's okay. In 1 Corinthians 11, 1, um, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. So look at me, look at my example as I do what Christ did. And so we want people to look at us. And when they look at us, they see that example of Christ in our lives. So when we look at the word, there are many things that we see that Jesus did. Jesus prayed. Jesus fasted. Jesus performed miracles. He healed. There was deliverance. But there was something that Jesus did that may not be that glamorous for, for some of us. Because healing, laying hands on something, seeing someone healed, wow. And praying and bringing the word, everybody wants to do that. But there's something that Jesus did that sometimes we might find it hard to do. In the book of Mark, and before we read this, this portion, um, the verses prior to... This is Mark 10, 42 to 45. Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he says to them, listen, I'm getting ready to be betrayed. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to die. And he, the, James and John immediately say, oh, we want to ask something of you. Um, he says, what do you want from me? And he says, we want, to sit, we want to sit with you at your right and at your left when you're in your glory. Now, Jesus just said, I'm getting ready to be beaten, betrayed. I'm going to die. And it reminds me of our children sometimes when we tell them, listen, we're going to go here. We, we can do this, but we can't do that. We're, we give them the instructions. And then immediately they come behind and they say, can we do that? Do, are we able to do that? Did you not hear what I just said? I just said, we can't do that. We're going here. We're going to do this. And they weren't listening to what Jesus said. He said, I'm going to die. I'm going to be betrayed. And their concern was, can we sit with you in your glory? Because they had a definition of what greatness meant. And they knew that Jesus came to rule and to reign, but they didn't understand in what capacity. They didn't understand what was getting ready to happen. 
Their definition of what greatness was was based on what they seen with the, the Roman occupation. So what did they see? Ruling with a hard hand, both with their spiritual leaders and with the leaders in government. That's what they knew to be great. So when they say, we want to sit with you at your right and at your left, they're thinking, we're about to be in power here. We're going to rule. We're going to reign. But they didn't understand what Jesus was saying. So in Mark chapter 10, verses 42 through 45. And let me see. Am I going to read? I need bifocals. I don't know about anybody else. After COVID, I was like, I was in my phone too much. You know, my eyes got really, really bad. And so these babies, I just need to wear bifocals. So Jesus called them together and said, you know, those that are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you, you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Greatness, Jesus defines as serving serving. And it's not glamorous. Sometimes it's not fun. But greatness is defined by serving. So his disciples were not listening. They thought greatness was defined by power and authority and rule and telling, you're not going to do it this way? Well, I'm going to make you do it. And that's not what greatness means. When I want someone to be great, Jesus says, I want them to know how to serve, to be a servant. He came to break the mindsets and definitions of what greatness means. So as their definition of greatness was defined by what they saw, what is your greatness of definition? uh, What is your definition of greatness? What experiences have you had that define what greatness is? Is it your education? Is it how much money you make? How many people you know? Is it how many likes you get on your, your, your videos, your YouTube? Is it how many people are, are in your meetings? What is your definition of greatness? Jesus says to be great, you must serve. Greatness is not based on a position of power or how many people you know. And when we understand what Jesus came and what he came to do, he, he really just broke the mold of everything, even still what we think, something, how something is defined or how things should be. So if we are to imitate him, we must follow closely, be connected, and not get distracted. How many of you have ever had to follow someone in a car somewhere? Point A to point B, right? And so you think you probably know more or less where you're going, but the other person says, I know exactly where I'm going. So you say, okay, I'll follow you. And as you follow that person, they make a turn that you don't recognize. And don't you begin to doubt, like, do they really know where they're going? Do they really know? And that is how it is when we are following Jesus. We have to stay close And sometimes he makes turns and he does things that we don't understand and that we think maybe it should have gone another way. Had you told me 20 some years ago that I would still be in the Dominican Republic and that we would be over the ministry, I would have said, 
no, you are crazy. That is not true. That's not going to happen. But we followed closely. And he went left, we went left. When he went right, we went right. So if we are to imitate, then we need to follow closely. When Jesus says, serve, I came to serve, then we too come to serve. So Jesus, he states, but then he gives examples. So he said, I, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. And then in John chapter 13, where he washes the disciples' feet, there's his, he shows them, I didn't come for you to serve me, but I came to serve. We recently had a foot washing service in our, in our church, and I don't know how many have ever participated in, in that, but it is something, it, to me it brings healing. It brings healing. And we started before COVID, and then because of COVID, we weren't able to do it for you know, two years. But we, we, I think it was in May that we were able to um, have a, a service. And really, to wash someone's feet, you must be humble. And to receive it, you also have to be humble. And for some people that couldn't handle it, they just said, you know what, once this is over, I'll come back in because I just can't have someone washing my feet. It was, it's an experience, really, I have to say. And the only word I can describe it as, it just brings healing. It really brings healing. So what we did, we brought up the leaders, and I washed all the leaders' feet. And then the leaders went to every, if they worked with the children, they washed the children's feet. And if they worked with the women, they went over to the women and they washed the women's feet with the men. And it really was just something so, um, it was so beautiful. So when, and I've been just speaking on this about, on, on serving. And, and if we're going to speak on it, then I need also to be that example of showing what what that means because some people don't know me when I used to have to clean the bathrooms in the church you know we've gotten new people in the church as well they don't know that I used to clean the bathrooms or that I would be there until the last person I'm still there until the last person leaves but that's okay (laughs) my kids are like can we get out of here I'm like no I have to make sure everything's closed and everything's put together just wait but some people don't know that and they need to see that we're here to serve my kids need to see we are here to serve So this power that they wanted, this power that they desired, Jesus was saying, no, no. If this is not what you think, it's not how you think it is. You must be humble. You must serve. The power you receive is not power to to rule, but is a power that comes from the connection of God and living in the power of the Holy Spirit that equips us, but it's not only for us, but it's to help others. It's to help others. And I believe that you all are surrounded by, this is a mission field here around you. Wherever you're at, there is a mission field. There is something, somebody, but we were, as we were coming in, we stopped because the GPS was doing a little something crazy and we stopped and asked for directions. And there is a mission field right down the street. Yes, there is a mission field. And so, um, just allow God to use you and be that light to serve those that are around you. So sometimes we equal visibility with success. And what do I mean? The more people see all that, they're doing this and they're doing that, that means you're successful. No, that's not true. That's not true. Sometimes we lift people up and we glorify people that really aren't doing anything. They could just talk a good talk, but there's no action to what they're doing. There's no real service. 
So God sees what you're doing, and he sees your heart, and he knows. So just because someone's not posting, you're doing this, or they're talking about, that, that means nothing. That means absolutely nothing. We are in a day, in a time, in a culture where people do things just to be seen. And I don't want to do anything if the Spirit of the Lord is not leading me to do it. So let's be led by the Spirit of God and know that God sees you. He sees what you're doing. He sees your heart. We remember that serving is not an event, but it is a walk we walk out every day. There are always opportunities to serve. We can't have an attitude in church, is what I tell our people. If you're going to come to church, and then you're a different way outside of church. And I will give you an example concerning myself. Um, in our little town, you can still call and get groceries. You know, call and say, and they just write it down. You can run up a tab, right, at the grocery store. So there's a particular grocery store that I use, and they always send someone on a little motorcycle with my box of whatever I asked for. So this particular day, I was home alone, and someone was there helping me. Um, no one from my family was there. And I call and let them know what I need. Okay, we'll send it over. And I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And it's not, you know, by Toa, those that have been, it's, it's not that big. You know, it's not that big of a, a town. And no one is coming. No one's showing up. And so I call her and said, you know, what's going on? I'm, you know, waiting. She said, oh, there's no one here. But I think I found someone to send up your stuff with. I said, okay. So I'm waiting again because on a motorcycle it should be pretty quick. Well, a few minutes later, a gentleman comes into my house. He just walks right in. And when I see him, I say, oh my goodness, why in the world did she send him to my house? He is a known drug addict in the community. And so my flesh, and I'm being honest, why him? Why would she send him to my house? But then immediately, I'm always one that believes you must check your intentions and your motives and your feelings as quickly as you possibly can. And I said, this is your, you have wrong attitudes, the Holy Spirit, you have the wrong attitude. He came up sweating, carrying your groceries, because it's a little bit of a hill, and it's hot in the Dominican Republic almost all the time. And I said, you know, I can't just try to push him out of my home. You know, I paid him what I would normally pay um, uh, the motorcycle um, delivery, and offered him water. Because I thought to myself, what if I'm just trying to push him out? And he came up and, you know, basically doing a favor for them, but also blessing me. And I don't even offer him water. And then the day that he comes to church and he sees me standing up, preaching, saying, you know, I was sweating. She saw me sweating. She saw me struggling, and she didn't even give me a glass of water. Small things, simple things. If we look at serving as an event, because I know you all serve the community, probably have different activities for kids to come or people to come, but what are we doing every day? What are we doing every day? Small things. What are we doing? Are we imitating Christ every day? There's always an opportunity to serve. And so I said, Lord, check my heart, and I want to be a blessing to this person. I don't want them to walk away feeling like, like he looked, because he looked like garbage. 
And I'm sure, and I didn't want to make him feel the way he looked. And sometimes we do that with people. Even though we love Jesus, sometimes we are in the flesh. And we say, wait, that person? No, not that person. No. And so how can we serve every day? Jesus says, my way is a way of serving. So when people see us, when they see us coming, they say, here comes hope. Here comes light. Here comes a word of encouragement. And that's what, that's what I want. When people see me coming, oh, here comes something good. Not so much of what I can give them financially, but what I can speak into their life. What I can, the smile, the beautiful smile that we received when we came in this morning. That's what we need to be in people's life. Bringing joy, bringing life, bringing encouragement. And sometimes, yes, that requires us to feed their bellies as well. But what can we give to people? How can we serve? So my challenge to you in serving, I'm going to give like three points or maybe four. But begin placing others first in your day. Put others first. In Philippians 2, 3 to 5, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships, one with another. Have the mindset as Christ. In our relationships. So starting out our day, what would your life look like if you began serving in your house in a different, different way? husbands, wives, our children, what would that look like? Putting someone's needs before yourself because our normal, our flesh says me first. And that's with anybody, me first. You know, moms, sometimes, you know, we, we're probably a little bit better than dads, I'm just saying, at putting the kids first. <laughs> but our flesh says me first. But what if we started putting someone else's needs or someone else before ours? What about on your job? Not being afraid that if you boost this person up, they're going to take your position. You're just serving somebody. You're doing something, pushing someone else, pushing their needs up before your own. So what if our attitudes and actions change in serving home or on our job? How can we help someone else? I'm sure our relationships would get better. Wherever you're at, our relationships would get better. Be intentional about looking outside of our circle. And that was something that we started to do. Because I noticed, and I know for sure, in your circle here, if someone's going through something, they're going to get prayer. They're going to get food. If this, our circles are usually always taken care of. But when we intentionally look outside of our circle, for those that might need something, there is a woman in our town. I didn't even know that she was living in our town. She's, a, she's blind. Um, her brother lives there, and they moved her, um, moved her to Baitoa to be with her brother. But there were some issues in the household, and she couldn't stay. So they moved her into basically like a wooden shack with a, with a light bulb, a dirty, dirty bed, and a plastic chair. And that's where she is all day every day. So someone said, you know, there's this woman, um, she just needs, she needs help. And I was glad that they told us about her. So they gave us an opportunity to go and, 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 and help her and pray for her. And so we began just to collect 
food, sheets, clothes. And the second time we went, I took my daughter with me. And for her, it was very impactful to, just to see. Because sometimes we try to protect our kids from certain things. But for them to see and actually witness um, God's love in action, not just what they see us doing at home or in the church, because they always see that, but see it outside of, what, of that circle, just to see it um, and see certain situations that are real life. This is a real life situation for this woman. You know, this isn't TV. This is how she is living. So we were there. We prayed with her. We changed her sheets. We gave her food. But her greatest need was our time. That was her greatest need. And our time is something that is so valuable to us. And I know more so in this culture because we, we, everything is, I got to be here at this time. I got, you know, I got to work till this time. Then I can get to the church at this time. And then I can got to, I got to do this. We are always on a schedule. And sometimes people just need our time. A minute just to give them a word of encouragement. A minute to smile at them. A minute just to see what they need. So be intentional about looking outside of your circle and listen to what God says. Look at your schedule. Is it too packed? Or sometimes we do things that maybe it's not for us to do. Maybe it's for someone else. And God is asking us and telling us to do something else. Are you willing to be inconvenienced? And for me, that's a because no one ever likes to be inconvenienced, right? Are we willing to be inconvenienced? And looking at um, Jesus as our example, Jesus was always inconvenienced. In Matthew 14, 14, when he was going to feed the, right before he fed the the multitude, Jesus was on his way for quiet time, to have some self-care, some me time, and that's good, and we need that. We do. Right now, it's being pushed like a whole lot more. Me time and self-care and and living your best life. That's wonderful. But let's be obedient to, to what the voice of God says. So he was on his way for some quiet time, but he was met by a multitude. And the word says that he had compassion over and over. When he came to the multitude, Jesus had compassion upon the multitude. He had compassion upon the people, and he was inconvenienced. In Luke 8, verse 40, he was on his way to heal someone when the woman that had the issue of blood, when she touched him, he was on his way to do something else. How many times are we on our way, and something comes up, and you kind of feel like, oh, I I should stop and help. Oh, I should do this. But we're on our way. We have our program. You can't be inconvenienced at this time. But Jesus was inconvenienced quite often. And he stopped and he said, who touched me? Who touched me? He took time and he pointed her out and gave her her worth back. So are we willing to be inconvenienced? Are we willing that if no one ever knows that we helped or that we sowed or that we prayed for that person, are we still willing to do it? If no one ever recognizes you and say, wow, you're doing a great job. Wow, you know, you gave that amount. Would you still be willing to do it? And are you struggling 
to love others. Ask Jesus for a heart change. If it's hard for you, for example, when that man came to my house, I really had to ask God, what's going on in my heart that I felt that? You know, what's happening? The word says in Psalms 51.10, and we all know this verse, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Ask him to renew you. If you're seeing people in a way that you know it's not the way that Jesus sees people, ask him to change your heart. Renew you so that you can see people through his eyes and have compassion again. And I will end with this. You will not miss out by serving. You're not going to miss out on what God has for you. By putting someone above you, you are not going to miss out. The word says in Matthew 6.33, another verse that we all know, seek Ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You will not miss out. As we spoke a lot about promises today, his promises are yes and amen. So boosting someone up, serving someone else, doesn't mean that you're going to miss out. You are doing the work of the kingdom. What he has for you is for you. No one can take it. When it's your time, it's your time. So I challenge you today and encourage you. God, what are you speaking to me? Have I been serving as Jesus served? Or is it for me just an event? Is it just something I do twice a year? What does that mean to you? What does it look like for you? Because I think for each of us, it's something different. We all have different gifts. So for me, serving someone might be look a little bit different than, than Angie serving. But what is what are we doing? Are we imitating him? Are we loving? Are we walking as he walked, talking as he talked, and serving as he served? Thank you. I appreciate you. Appreciate the time. Um, And like I said, I'm just really excited about what God is doing here. I really am. I've been, this is my fourth week, I think, here uh, in different, visiting different churches, and I just really feel um, there's a breakout getting ready to happen. So don't Resist the Holy Spirit. Don't. There's, he's getting ready to do something in a, some, with intercession as well. So don't resist. Be free and just let him move. Because that light that you all carry, that burning light, and it's going to continue to grow and grow in each one of you. And you're going to take it to wherever you are. And you're going to touch and transform this area and the surrounding areas. I believe it. So I know the next time I come, things might look even a little bit more different. Maybe this will be packed out and we won't, and that'll be great because God is transforming and changing this area. I know he is. And if it's, who knows what he's getting ready to do in certain other areas, but he's getting ready to to move. So just be open to what what the Holy Spirit is doing and saying in your lives. Thank you. I appreciate you.